0: Let's pray and go home. <laughs> wow, how do you follow that? That was, of course, Isley Brothers' 1969 number one single smash hit, Do or It's Your Thing, which says do what you want to do. But are we really supposed to do what we want to do? Is that truth? I mean, in 1 Corinthians 3.19 uh Paul says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. You see, if Jesus were here today, I think he'd probably be dancing, probably much like Pastor Matt, because Jesus was cool like that. But he would tell us, and he would caution us, he'd say, whoa, hold on, that song, although very entertaining, is fake news. We're in this new series we're kicking off today, Fake News, sourcing truth from the source of truth. We're learning how to get our truth from the only absolute, inerrant, and unfailing truth. It turns out it comes from God's word. And we live in a world, let's be honest, that tries to manipulate, tries to bend, tries to transform truth into being whatever they think it should be. I have proof. I have the top 10 fake news stories from 2018 from Falsebook, I mean Facebook. (laughs) And let's start with uh, the second slide if we could. Uh, There we go. Perfect. Um, So look look at number eight. North Korea agrees to open its doors to Christianity. People think, they they believe that 760,314 people engaged in that one. Uh, Yeah, that one, number six, that's weird. Let's go to... uh, the next one, number, f- go up here five. Donald Trump ends in uh, school students by banning schools. <laughs> All the kids are like, yeah, that's awesome. Nice try. Um, the three, yeah, we had to, yeah, the th- yeah, you don't want to know. Don't don't Google that one. Trust me, don't Google that one. Uh, number two, the former first lady Barbara Bush dies at ninety two. These someone went on there and they f- had a fake story. She died on the seventeenth of uh, 2018, of April of 2018, they went 24 hours before that and said that she passed away. How, how cruel is that, right? Fake news. And then, number one, lottery winner arrested for dumping $200,000 of manure on ex-boss's lawn. Have you ever wanted to do that? <laughs> you, already, you raised your hand. You got a lot of guts. That's awesome. Hey, we keep it real around here. But here's the thing about fake news. Fake news is not an issue of just our era, of just our time. It turns out, fake news has been an issue since the Garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, where Satan, the deceiver, the originator of fake news, came to Eve and said, Did God really say not to eat uh, from from this one? Did he really say that? And fake news was born. Now, news is often factual, but let me be clear. Facts are not necessarily truth. Facts are fragments of information, which, by the way, fragments that can be manipulated, misinterpreted, misconstrued into a false narrative. However, God's truth is more transformational. Not just informational, but transformational. If applied, God's truth is incredibly transforming for us, but it requires faith. It requires us to believe that it is, in fact, truth. Now, let me give you an example. Let's say a man lusts after a woman. The world says there's nothing wrong with that. It happens in his mind, there's nothing observable, there's nothing tangible, and therefore it's not a fact, it's not wrong. But then you look at God's word, God's truth, Matthew 5:28. Where he says that if you look at lust, lust, lust for a woman, you have committed adultery in your heart. World says, it's okay. God's truth says, no bueno. So which one are you going to believe? The world, the facts, or truth? See, the f- fake news that we're covering this week is this. Do what makes you happy. Just like the song said, do what you want to do. Man, if you feel it, if it's good for you, if your heart feels, man, just, just, just do it. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. The good news, God's word, says do what makes God happy. And here's our big idea. Happiness is determined by the direction of our affections. Where we give our affection to, where we look, who we chase will dictate happiness. If you're chasing happiness, good luck. You ain't never going to find it. You might find glimpses of it, temporary happiness. But if you want true, lasting happiness, you don't find it by chasing happiness. You find it by chasing holiness, by chasing Jesus. And when you're on that pursuit, and when you put him above and before anything else, God will bless your life in a way that is not explainable in human terms. And Jesus was trying to help a man in John chapter 5 learn this truth. You see, there was a pool at the northeast corner of Jerusalem in the old city. And and this pool is where physically impaired people would kind of hang out because allegedly there there was some sort of power, some medicinal power in this water, and, and, and these people would get healed. And so This man who had been crippled for 38 years was there that day at the pool when Jesus intersects his life in John chapter 5, verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, 38 years to be exact, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Now can you believe that? You see see why church people frustrated Jesus, and quite frankly, sometimes church people frustrate me because of that. 38 years, man's healed. Yay, God, instead of celebrating that, who did it? Who did it? Where? Where? Where's he at? Verse 11, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed, had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Lord, thank you for the story within the story. It's not just about healing. It's about the pursuit. It's about priorities. It's about the way you want us to live our life. God, help us be attentive right now. Block out anything that would be distracting. God, help us focus and be attentive and receive the truth of your word. This is transformational truth, and we need to hear it. And so we're ready to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's get into it. Number one, happiness is a choice. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked them, do you want to get well? There's some power in those words. Do you want to get well? Remember, Jesus knew, we can tell by verse 14, that he knew he was into sin. What the sin was, we don't know. But Jesus knew he was in sin, so he asks some very pointed question, do you want to get well? In other words, are you serious about this? Are you serious about happiness, or you just want a miracle? Because there's a difference between being well and just experiencing a miracle. We all want the miracle without the lifestyle that comes with it, without the surrender, without the emptying that comes with it. Oh, God, just give me the miracle. Well, that's awesome. But do you want to get well? Because there's wellness that extends way beyond a miracle. Do you want to get well? It's like a Fletcher on Outlaw Josie Wales. He says, don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. Right? Yeah, don't do. do you want to get well or not? Let's, let's, you know, sometimes, you know, Jesus' response was so, so pointed and so, so almost terse. Do you want to get well? You see, the reality is people don't always want to get well. Why? Because the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season, Hebrews 11.25. There's pleasure in sin for, in other words, sin's fun. If sin wasn't fun, to some degree, people wouldn't do it. But the problem is the season part. There's pleasure in sin for a season until you get the invoice from Satan. But Oh, but yeah, but, but that sin, it just makes me happy. I want to do what makes me happy. And, you know, when I take this particular drug, it just, it just it makes me happy. Well, in the words of Cheryl Crow, if it makes you happy, why in the hell are you so sad? Why? Why are you so sad if it makes you happy? Why is your life messed up? Why, are your, why is your marriage a wreck? Why are your finances jacked? Why are you depressed? Why are you lonely? Why are you unhealthy? Why? Because there's pleasure in sin for a season. When you're chasing the wrong thing, you're always going to be unhappy. You might have little glimpses of happiness, but you have nothing that's lasting. Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more then you want to pay. You see, some people don't want to get well. And it breaks our hearts as, as, as pastors and, and, and church people, and it breaks the heart of God. Pastor Matt, myself, and, and Pastor Dan had the privilege last year of, of going and uh, being a part of counseling a, a young man by the name of Corey. We have a, a an awesome counselor, who goes to the gathering, and uh, she at that time worked at that facility, and wanted help with this man, uh, and so the three of us we went down, and I don't know for an hour and a half, we uh, just counseled the guy, neat guy, neat story, and uh, several months later he would end up being released from that center, and he would come to the gathering for for one Sunday. He lives on the other side of town, so he just wanted to come and visit and say hello. Came and and uh, he. After church, I took him to lunch. He and I sat down there, and, and as I looked at him, I said, man, how, Corey, how, how are things going? And, and you know, he said, he said all the right things, but there was, there was something that wasn't right in his eyes. You know, you know, you know that look when you see that. And, and so I, you know, prayed for him and, and uh, said goodbye and kind of lost contact. Well, I got, got a call this week that this week um, Corey overdosed on fentanyl and passed away. And it just made me think as I was preparing this, you know, sometimes there's people who just don't want to be well. Or or, or maybe they want to be well, but not bad enough. Not bad enough to really be free of the stuff that they dabble in, that the lies of this world, the fake high that the world gives. Friends, there ain't no high like the most high. There ain't no high like Jesus Christ. Every other high is temporary. It's fleeting. The world tries to replicate it. They try to duplicate it. They try to imitate it. But friends, there ain't no high like the most high. In your presence, David said, there's fullness of joy. In God's presence alone, that's truth. And, and let me just release somebody from, from, from a burden that they're carrying. Maybe, maybe you're carrying someone else's. You're trying to carry someone else's salvation. You're trying to, 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 to take too much on. And you need to be free from that. What did, what did Joshua say? Choose this day whom you, not them, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, as for the Lipinski household, we've, made, we've purposed in our hearts, we're going to serve the Lord. Right? But, but you've got to make your decision. Right? You've got to make your decision, Tim. We all have to make our own decision. And, and so, so just be released from somebody else's salvation. Yes, we carry each other's burdens in that we're examples and we love and we share the truth of the word of God. But beyond that, God has given each of us a choice to make. Do you want to get well? And I pray the answer for us is yes. You see, paralysis comes in many forms. Did you know that? What do you think the greatest need of this man that Jesus intersected there at the pool By the sheep's gate. What do you think was his greatest need? Well, 38 years. I mean, the guy can't walk. Certainly, his physical healing, healing from paralysis, must be his his greatest need, right? I would challenge you. I would challenge you because it looks like there's a different kind of paralysis that's going on in this story if you look closely. Jesus comes to him and says, Do you want to get well? A person who was spiritually free right would say one word, yes, or in Aramaic, this part of the Bible is written in Greek, but actually Jesus would have spoken Aramaic. The way you say yes in Aramaic is, he. do you want to get well? Hey, that's all he had to say. But instead, the victim comes out, verse 7, I, I have no one to help me into the pool when, when the water is stirred and when I try to get in, somebody else goes and down ahead of me, Jesus. Jesus basically tells him to shut it. Verse 8, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get busy living or get busy dying. Jesus didn't mince words. But sometimes we're we're paralyzed in ways that are way worse than physical paralysis. God wants us to move from victim to victor. My question for us today is, are we paralyzed? As we're seeking, hopefully, holiness, are, are we paralyzed? Because maybe we're seeking a little bit of happiness, too. I mean, let's just be honest here. We want to be real, right? Like, like are, are, we, are we suffering from some sort of spiritual paralysis? Because spiritual paralysis is not a measure of immobilization. It's a measure of prioritization. It's our priorities. Where, who are we chasing? If we're chasing the world, we're paralyzed. If we're chasing Jesus, we're free. We can walk spiritually. Are we paralyzed as a church? No, 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 no. no, We couldn't be paralyzed as a church, not us. We're only a year and a half old. We haven't even had time to be paralyzed, right? I don't know. I don't know, man. Last week, I shared, uh, I shared about Easter in the park, and everyone was so excited until I told them how much it might cost. Air came out of the room. Now, let me help set your mind at ease. First of all, about 70% of the number that I gave last week is for permanent improvement stuff that we have to buy anyway. stuff that will go into the building. So everyone just relax. Okay. It's stuff we either buy now or buy later. Okay. So 30% is our actual cost that, you know, we're, we're putting out for that. isn't like non-permanent improvement items. And, and let me just say one other thing. I, I understand that there's a trust thing, and some of us have been to churches. Some of you have been to churches, maybe where you feel like, man, I, I don't think they were good stewards. Let me tell you something. You can ask that woman back there, Libby. I'm a tightwad. And just this past week, let me give you an example. I'm not, you know, I just want to share this, this kind of stuff that, that happens during the week. We, our beautiful trailer out there, that big 32-foot trailer, needed new tires. And so we got a bid from a, a, a local tire shop here in town, and the bid was just under $1,000. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. I went on Amazon, ordered four Carlisle, low D, high dollar, nice, nice quality tires for 55 bucks a pop, okay? Then your pastor took them off, one lug, took them all down, marched my butt down there, Twenty dollars a piece to get them switched, so I got three hundred bucks total out the door, as opposed to a thousand. So you you can rest assured and know that we're not being frivolous with the money. Like I, I, that keeps me up at night. Like that's a big deal. As your pastor, I just want you to know. Like that, I stand before God and I'm accountable for every tithe doll that comes in here. And you better believe you can ask my wife. I take that oh so seriously. So I, I give that number last week and. Um, couple gets up, walks right out. They're, they're probably never coming back. And uh, so they get, and then, and then another couple says to me afterwards, they say, yeah, um, but Pastor John, that's, that's a lot of money. What do we get out of it? Yeah, that's what I said. Ugh. And I, I, had to, I got, I got alone with God. I said, God, am I that bad of a pastor? I mean, do I not tell them like, about Matthew 28 and, and the Great Commission? I mean, we founded this thing on, on getting out in the community and being in the church. Never been. And so I had to examine my heart. But it's so interesting because we're in this fake news series, right? And, and, and what's at the center of the whole, and I'm not talking about whether you're Democrat or Republican. <laughs> let's stay out of that minutia right now. But what's at the center of the impeachment? The quid pro quo. The alleged quid pro quo, okay? Isn't that, I mean, this is like steeped in irony. What's in it f- for me? What do I get? You know, it's Latin. Quid pro this for that? In other words, what what do I get out of it? You know, if if I put my money in it, like, dear God, here's my question: Are we going to be a quid pro quo church or a get up and go church? Which one? Which one? Can't have it both ways. Which one? Get up and go. Amen. Because that's what Jesus would say. The fake news would say, Oh no 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 no, there's got to be something in there for you. You know, we got to get this big mecca, this big building. You know, we're gonna have a big building. Praise God, Lord willing, someday we're gonna have a nice big building. But you know what, we're not going to build the building at the sacrifice of our mission. We are purposed people living on mission for Christ. We are going to reach our city because that's what the church is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be a, a country club where we go and meet and have these beautiful services and we meet back on Sunday. Like we are supposed to be in our city being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And, and, and if you want proof, Luke 5.31. He said, it's not the healthy but the sick who need a doctor. He went on to say, I didn't come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. Where do you find them? Out in the city. How about Luke 15.4? He left the 99 to find the one. And then he went on to say, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner. One sinner who repents. than 99 of us who don't need to repent. That's how Jesus gets excited about going out and reaching the lost. It's not about a building. Yes, we're going to have a building. Thank you guys for resourcing that and for giving to that. But remember, we told you from day one, the dream was never about a building. It will include a building because that's where people meet. But it was always about people. It was always about reaching people for Christ. The bait on the hook was never for the fish in the boat. That's us. It was for the fish in the water. And we're going to go put some bait on the hook and, and go into our city and find people like Corey who need to know Jesus Christ. I love, I love what Jesus said here, Luke 14. He says, Then when you're given luncheon or a dinner or Easter in the park, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they will invite you back, and so you'll be repaid. But when you have given a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteousness. Did you know there is a great need in our city? And if you don't believe me, you can talk to where's Lisa? Do you in here, Lisa? We we Lisa has come upon this, this re- revelation that I didn't even know about, and I've been here for seven years. There is a huge human trafficking problem. Huge. There are women outside of our very own Walmart, behind Walmart. That's one of the pickup places. And we have a family circle that's doing something about it. And if you want to get involved with that, talk with Lisa right there. Lisa, we're doing something about it. My wife's school has two kids that are transgender. We want to we reach the city. They need to know Jesus. There's freedom from that. We had, someone, we had students at our house this week. And one of, the, one of our students brought an atheist. I said, praise God. Praise God. Bring her in, man. Let's love on her and let's let her show what, what real love really looks like. See, we, we have, we, there's, 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 there's needs within our community right in front of us. But we're not going to meet them if we're chasing happiness. We might just meet them if we chase holiness. But that's going to take us out of our comfort zone. I don't know if you know this, but Christianity was never about our happiness. Did you know that? I love what C.S. Lewis said. I didn't go to religion to make me happy. I always knew a bottle of port would do that. If you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. Do what you want to do. No. Don't do what you want to do. Do what he wants us to do. Chase him. Chase holiness. Friends, my, the, the best Christmas we ever had was in California. California. Why? Because on Christmas Day, we didn't make it about us. For once in our life, we made it about Jesus. We went and served homeless people. And it was awesome, man. We, uh, we, were, we were serving food. And, and then this one guy named Eagle came up to me. And I'm thinking, you know, I started, you know, like Christians do, I started judging him. Like, oh, he's going to want money for alcohol or something, you know. You know what he wanted? He wanted a pair of needle-nose pliers so he could pull out his infected tooth. He gave me a gift that day, the best Christmas gift I had for that year for sure, the gift of perspective. I didn't go home and worry about what I didn't have under my tree. I was thankful for what I did have. And that was all because on that given day, on that given Christmas, we decided to direct our affection, not to ourselves and our own happiness, but to him. Second point I want to make is happiness requires combat. Requires combat. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. In other words, look, you want to be happy Man, you got to live holy. And to live holy, that takes a fight. Ephesians six twelve. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, y'all. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against spiritual forces of darkness, against Satan and his minions. That's who we wrestle against. And so if you want to be happy, be ready to do some combat. And you know what Satan's favorite tool is to derail us? Go to Satan's toolbox. Now, clearly this is illustrative purposes only because you all know, Tim, you know I wouldn't have such a small toolbox, right? <laughs> you know, I could see maybe Sean having th- something this size, you know. But uh, anyways, let's go, into, let's go into Satan's toolbox. His favorite thing to derail us. Mmm, pleasure. Ooh. Yes, Johnny Lakey. He uses pleasure. He uses pleasure. Pleasure is the measure of your treasure. Think about that for a second. Pleasure is the measure of your treasure. That is, what you find pleasures, where you direct your pleasures, reflect what you value. Your treasure. Jesus told us that in Matthew 6, 21. He said, where the treasure, where your treasure is, there too is your heart. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. Listen to me. Satan, if he steals your pleasures, he steals your heart. Be careful. Now, let me just say, pleasures are not bad. We, we serve a good God who, who gave us pleasures. And thank God for that. Like, think about it. He could have made food. He could have made steak. Tastes like carrots. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, that's awesome. We'd all have really low cholesterol. But think of how pathetic that would be. You bite into a piece of steak and it tastes like a a carrot. (laughs) You like carrots. (laughs) Yeah, you can have mine. And then think about, like, even husbands and wives. The intimacy that God allows a husband and a wife to share, how special that is. I mean, he could have made that feel like a root canal. Just saying. Instead of like having your like a slow jams tape or a mixtape tape or like Luther Vandross, you'd be like having a countdown clock or something. He gives us pleasures. And it's a good thing, man. Like we, have, we serve a good God. I actually asked Riley if I could share this story. And she said I could. So when she was about 10 years old, I was giving her the talk. You know, so I had to give her the talk. Um, and we were talking and... Um, I was just sharing how man how special that is. We don't have to ever apologize or or or, or just because the world kind of pollutes it and perverts it. Like I was just telling, like God, it's a good thing, man. Like we, we, between a husband and a wife, it's a special thing. God gave us that pleasure to to share within the confines of marriage. And uh, and then, no, no, I have four kids by the way. And I, I saw like a, a light bulb come on in Riley's eyes when I was talking to her. She's like, "Wait a second, Dad. That means that you and Mom." have done that more than 4 times <laughs> maybe but, but in all seriousness, like, thank God. Can we just give God praise like for the fact that he loves us and he, and, he, and he gives us certain pleasures? And I'm not just talking about that. I'm not just talking about food. All sorts of different pleasures. To, to, to take a walk and just to, to smell the fresh air and to look at the sunset. Like, he could have made this world so boring and drab. And instead, he gave us all these pleasures. So pleasures aren't the evil. It's misdirected pleasure that becomes evil. And so what do we do? We protect our happiness by guarding our pleasures. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. And that ain't just for kids, man. That's for adults. That's for us. That's for me. Be careful, little eyes, what we see. Some of you know the story of, of me raising my kids and uh, us raising our kids and, and really trying to help them make a covenant with their eyes, like Job. Remember, he, he made a covenant with his eyes and he would shun evil. We live in a world that does not shun evil. And we would be wise to implement and apply what he did in teaching our kids, raise them up to shun evil. So what we do, we walk through the mall. You know, there's Victoria's Secrets. I teach my boys just to look away. Now, some people think, oh, that's a little over the top. So, you know, and people see us, you know, like walking and they'll, see, and they'll see my kids do that and they'll think, like, you know, what's going on with their neck, you know, like Tourette's or something. Maybe it's weird. Or maybe that's just holiness. Like, you know, and, and again, we're not like, we're not holier than thou. We're not, you know, casting judgment on people. I'm just saying, like, for me and my house, like, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do our best to chase Jesus. And for, for, for us, that means making a covenant with our eyes and, and, and shunning evil. I know, you need a verse for it. Proverbs 4.25. Lift your eyes, or, or let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Why is that important? Here we go. Here's a little nugget for you. Sin fascinates before it assassinates. Sin always fascinates us. If it didn't, we wouldn't do it. We wouldn't partake in it. It wouldn't be a lure to us if it didn't fascinate us. So the enemy disguises truth, tries to dress it up as as truth and goodness and happiness. Ooh, yes. It fascinates us before it assassinates us. Case in point? Halftime Super Bowl show. Now, you can make your own judgment. But as your pastor, I'm going to speak the truth as God has given it to me. Under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. For me, in my house, I'm not watching that. I'm not watching it. Now, you know, you want to watch it, I'm I'm not going to cast that on you, but I'm just going to tell you, like, I'm here to do a job today and I'm going to deliver the message. And if you don't like it, you can talk to to the manager. Okay, his name is Jesus. But here's the thing, guys. Did that fascinate people? Yes. It fascinated people. So much so that that was the most watched Super Bowl halftime show ever. 112 million hits just on YouTube alone. And you say well how do we get there to where you know we got women dancing on poles half naked john wesley said what one generation tolerates the next generation will embrace and if we're not the answer is the church man there's no plan b god's plan a was the church we're the answer and if we can't fix the problem, if we can't address that, and, I, and I'm, not sucking, you know, I'm not talking about beating people up and, oh, you're, you're going to hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about love. Like, man, is that the best thing? Is that what you want your daughter to see? Is that, she's going to look at her and think, that, that's a representation of beautiful. That's not beauty. That's a hurt. In my opinion, two hurt and broke, broken women who are getting the affirmations by selling out. In, in my opinion. And I just want, I want to point them to Jesus, a God who loves us, not because you wear short clothing, but because he simply loves you. You don't have to perform, you don't have to measure up, he just loves you. So, uh, let me show that picture, I'll show that picture. I wasn't going to show this last service, but they had it back there. This is what uh, 50-year-olds look like in 85. And here's what a 50-year-old looks like in 2020. I debated whether showing that because I didn't want to show a girl on a pole in church. But I want you to see the point and how, how much we've slid. And there's hope. I'm, not, I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy. I'm, I'm a hope kind of guy. Why? Because Jesus was a hope kind of guy. And the hope is us. We are the carriers of that hope. So what do we do? We guard. What do we guard? I'm going to give you some practical things. Guard what we watch. Let's be careful. Little eyes, what we see. Let's guard what we listen to. Let's guard phones. If you have children, I implore you as your pastor, do not give them an unprotected phone. I can tell you many, many times, many people have counseled who have given their children unprotected phone and it has led to all sorts of chaos. You pick the apps that they're allowed to see and disable their Internet. Movie channels. I know some of you have them. I'm not beating you up. But for me, in my house, we don't have movie channels. I don't want that temptation around me or or, or my boys or our family. I just don't want it. If you have Internet, uh, as far as kids use Internet in the home, on a computer, I would say use it in the comments, place. You know, commonplace in the living room where there can be supervision. And, and, and friends, be careful who we hang with. This isn't just for kids. This is for adults too. Our friends. Are there friends that maybe we need to get rid of? You know? Or is there some changes maybe we need to make? I, I don't know about you, but like when, when our kids go over to spend the night or... well, like, Actually, don't do many spend... Very rarely do they spend the night. But when they go over to like visit a house either me or my wife, it's usually my wife, because she's the nicer of the two, she'll go up to the door and meet the parents. My kids aren't going to hang out at your house without meeting the person who's over that, right? So just little things like that help us to chase holiness. And one more thing, time. We guard our time. I, I, I just want to tell you, how many times you see in a restaurant this? You know, Satan has stolen... The pleasures of family, the joy of family, the joy of communing together when you see families that are all looking down at their phone, playing a game, checking false book, whatever it is, and it's like you just missed out. You just paid 50 bucks to sit there on your phone instead of having a meal and just talking about the day. Guard. Let's guard our pleasures. Here's why. It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken adults. Amen. Let me leave you with this last story of my my father. uh, In 1969, my dad was in his early 20s. He was by all accounts a successful touring artist in the California area. In fact, he was living in Charlie Chaplin's old mansion in Beverly Hills. True story. He was recording a demo on the famous Sunset Strip when he was approached by Electra and RCA Records to sign a record deal. Pretty cool. In fact, Harry Nilsson's manager told him that in three years, you'll be the biggest thing in rock and roll. My dad's manager actually had a $100,000 signing bonus. All he had to do was sign the contract. Happiness? The world says, go, man. This is your break. You're going to be famous. You're going to be happy. You're going to live the dream, man. Holiness? But God's saying, walk away. Walk away from that? I'll never get another chance like this. Well, I'm happy to tell you, at least happy from my perspective, that he took that contract in the presence of his manager, ripped it up, tore it up, go back to the Bay Area, marry my mother, and have six kids. I'm. I can tell you, Amen. I wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't be here if it had not been for my dad's decision. When everyone else was telling him, everyone in the mansion were like, "Dude, are you crazy? This is your break. Tore it up. Maybe there's a maybe there's a contract in your life that you need to tear up. Maybe there's 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 a There's something that's like getting in the way of your pursuit of God and God just saying, rip it up, man. Just rip it up. Would you do it? Would you walk away from that? Because here's the thing. My dad would tell you that was one of the best decisions he made in his life. And he would tell you that God, as he sought God's will first, my dad would tell you that he has lived a happy life. They just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. They've lived a happy life. Not because he chased happiness, but because he was willing to walk away from it to pursue Jesus Christ. Then and only then, happiness is granted. God grants us the desires of the heart. Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Not because you are chasing them, but because you are chasing him. What's the direction of your affection? Are you chasing worldly pleasures, or are you chasing the pleasures that will never end? Let me leave you with this verse, Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You want happiness? Happiness that's real, happiness that's genuine, happiness that isn't fake news, happiness that lasts. You want it? You'll find it. In the presence of your God. Happiness is determined by the direction of our affection. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. And that you meet us where you're at, where we're at. And you're patient. But God, I pray that today we would live expeditiously. We would realize that time is short that we don't know when you're coming back or when you're going to call us home. And so I pray that you would give us a sense of urgency, that we would live with great intentionality and that we would be faithful to live the life you've called us to live. Help us choose happiness by choosing holiness. And help us live a life of combat, knowing that it's not going to be easy, but that we would turn away from sin and chase you, pursue you with everything that we have in us. God, you said that we were more than conquerors. You said that we could do all things through Christ who strengthens us. God, we believe that. We, we, we stand on the truth and we commit our lives. We dedicate, we consecrate ourselves to you in this place. That we would be set apart. We would be holy. Imperfect as we may be, we would be set apart and Holy to the God who redeemed us. Thank you, Jesus, for helping us pursue you each and every day with all that we have. We promise to be a light into a dark world and to make a difference as people perceive, uh, As people see us pursuing you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can we just give God praise one last time? Come on.